Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, I just had a, a quick question just about what do you think, you know, the Packers can do to, you know, kind of help Jordan Love out in the next year, right? I've heard different people talk, you know, kind of improve offensive line, add weapons for him, right? Enhance the defense, have backups or something like that, you know, behind him like a veteran. What do you think is the right approach the Packers should take to kind of equip him, equip him for success? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, you could say, get him a tight end, get him a receiver. Obviously, you don't need to get him a running back right now. You could say, get him a better defense so he's not on the field as much as Aaron Rodgers was. I think the best thing you can do is keep him upright, keep him healthy. And that's why, as I'm looking at this draft class, it would not surprise me (laughs) if they take an offensive tackle with their first pick. Certainly it would surprise me even less if they end up getting that number 13 pick from the jets and use one of 13 or 15 uh, on an offensive tackle. Let's say, you know, Paris Johnson from Ohio state drops or Broderick Jones, uh, the kid from Georgia drops, or even if Skaronsky from Northwestern drops to the bottom of the top 10 and they want to trade up. Um, I, I understand that they already have Yash Nyman and Zach Tom, but, you know, right now they're probably solid starters, and, and I don't think we should rule out the possibility of Zach Tom starting at center over Josh Myers. But if you trot out an offensive line of David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, John Runyon Jr., and, you know, a top 10, top 15 pick with Yash Nyman and Zach Tom, or Yash Nyman and Josh Myers, I should say, as your sixth and seventh guys, um, that would that would do for him. So I think it starts with the offensive line, then the weapons, then uh, helping out the defense. So Jordan Love isn't, you know, on the field as much. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'll let uh, other people ask their questions. Sean, you're up. You got me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Someone said to pump up my no, volume. No, you're great. Am I all right? I, all right, cool. I heard you increase it too when you did it, so it's all good. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> any chance both those seconds that the Jets now have in a, in a trade to get 12 done? Yeah, it's possible. That was my first thought when that trade was made. Um, what is it, 42 and 43, I believe? So maybe Goody says, you know what? Uh, it, my first thought when that Elijah Moore to the Browns trade was made was that – trade was made by Brian Gutekunst, meaning Brian Gutekunst says, make this trade and I'll take 42 and 43 instead of 13. Or uh, it was made saying, you know, you're giving me 13 regardless. And it's the Jets saying, okay, if we're going to give you 13, I want to have two early second round picks instead. And then the Jets can package those to move back up into the first round. So I have a hard time believing that that trade was made just because Uh, just between the Jets and the Browns. 
not meaning the Packers were a third team in the deal, but meaning uh, Brian Gutekunst was like, you want to get this done? You want to compromise? Get another second round pick? Or, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, there was some Packers influence in that trade. Now, uh, according to this, uh, the Jimmy Johnson draft value chart, which I don't know if teams, you know, use that like the Bible, but it gives a a neat kind of uh, assessment of what these picks are worth. So basically, according to that, uh, the 42nd plus the 43rd pick is worth the same value as the number 17 pick in the draft. So if the Packers were to get the number 13 pick, um, that would be worth more than 42 and 43. So if we're looking at this trade value chart that is in some areas used as gospel when it comes to trading draft picks, the 13th pick has slightly more value than 42 and 43, though it's still around the same area. So I'll be interested to see if that was Goody's way of saying, you know what, we'll let you keep your 13th pick, but you're giving us two second round picks. And quite frankly, the Packers have had tremendous success drafting in the second round, especially, uh, as you all know, in offensive skill positions. So maybe they uh, take 42 and 43. And hey, the Packers could use that to move up. You saw last year they they used two second round picks to move up for Christian Watson, one of which they got in the Devontae Adams deal. I believe it was 53 and 59. They moved up to 34 to get Watson. So regardless of what it is, there, there are deals, there's moving around. And yeah, I, I would definitely say there's some Packers influence on that, that Elijah Moore trade. Can I add on to that if, if possible? Yeah, Do sure. you think, so if, if we had both those, sec- I mean, it's just a weird situation to be in because it's three picks fairly close together in the right. like really early second. I mean, if we had those picks, do you see any way we actually keep them? Or do you think it's definitely a play to try and get back into the first? Yeah, uh, I would say so. You, you know, uh, I, I believe the Packers tried to get back into the first last year, too, with their two second round picks. They tried. I forget who reported it, but um, I believe they tried to get back to number 32 to draft Christian Watson. And I think that was the Vikings pick I, then I, as well. That, wasn't that, it? Exactly. Yeah, I think that was the Vikings pick and the Vikings right. were like, no, we're not letting you do that. We'll do it later. And so they did it at 34. So the whole they've never drafted a receiver in the first round. I think they tried to last year, but yeah, if they have three picks within relatively close range early in that second round, I have a hard time believing they'll pick at all three spots. My best guess would be they package two of those to move back into the first and then keep one of them. If they do make the deal for those jets two first round picks. So one way or the other, I think the Packers will have multiple first round picks this year. It's just a matter of where they are. Thanks, man. David, you got me? I think he left. All right. Oh, no, you're there. You got me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, good timing on the dog. Um, I hear a dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my question is... Uh, I know it's in the, in the past now. They can't do anything to change it. But I would really... Um, be curious do you think after i don't know after murphy retires after goody moves on when are we going to hear kind of the the play-by-play of how they agreed to uh sign rogers to that extension because it just doesn't seem to kind of fit within a bigger picture of what they you know 
every other roster decision they made seemed to indicate we're moving on, but we're right. also going to pay this guy more than ever. I don't know. It seemed insane. I don't think we'll have to wait that long. I think, uh, and this is me, my educated speculation um, based on some things, not that I've heard. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, oh, I have, I have sources that are telling me this, but my educated speculation on, on some rumblings I would say we hear that sooner rather than later because Rogers going on McAfee and spilling everything he did last week and not necessarily throwing the front office into oncoming traffic, but kind of being a little passive aggressive and saying uh, they kind of went behind my, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but they went behind my back to shop me and they didn't have those direct conversations with me. I can tell you that that's, Probably not the entire story. Um, and I think over the past couple of years, the Packers front office, at least from my perspective, has taken the high road on, on all this um, because they don't want to piss off, arguably, the best player in franchise history and, and drive a wedge in between that relationship any further. Once he is officially traded and they don't have to worry about doing that anymore, I would expect maybe not goody to clap back or go back at Rodgers, but um, whether it's on the record, on background, off the record, whatever, the Packers side, I would expect to provide some context as to how this all went down. Because the big question now, we know how this past year has transpired from Aaron Rodgers' perspective, because he says it publicly every Tuesday. But as you said, they went from all in to all out on this guy in the matter of a year, you know, that it's not just the contract. Brian Gutekunst publicly said we gave him that contract with the intention that he would be our quarterback for more than just the 2022 season. And now here he is shopping him. So I'm fascinated to hear. Uh, I will do my best to unearth that information here in the coming weeks. I assume some of it will start to trickle out at the owners meetings where I'll be this weekend and into next week in Phoenix. But listen, when, when Roger said, uh, they, they didn't have direct conversations. I thought it was very interesting how at his introductory press conference with the Jets, Alan Lazard said during the offseason, it's hard to communicate with Aaron because he's like essentially he said he doesn't really respond to you during the offseason. So my first thought was, I wonder if Brian Gutekunst tried to contact Rodgers this offseason, not to say no, he didn't say in a text or a call, hey, we're trading you. But maybe he just said, hey, man, you have time to chat. And Rodgers just didn't respond. But that conversation that Goody was trying to broach or, or trying to set up was going to be to broach the topic of moving on. So who are we to sit here and say they never had those direct conversations? Well, literally, yeah, they didn't. Maybe Rodgers just didn't respond. If one of Rodgers' closest friends on the team is saying he's hard to contact, who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I think we won't have to wait till they retire. To, to get that side of it. Because I think once Rodgers is officially gone, we'll start to hear more of the Packers side of the story that uh, they haven't shared as they take the high road with this whole uh, drama, if you want to call it, these last couple of years. But isn't that more likely to be the the kind of details combating what Rodgers said? I'm more interested in the Murphy versus Goody. Did Goody not want to sign Rodgers to that extension? and? Murphy said, no, you got to do it. We can't, we can't force the trade on this guy. 
Because um, that's I okay. I okay. believe Goody's going to throw Murphy under the bus while they're still both employed. For the oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they wouldn't. That that it, the distinct truth on that won't come out until they're not working together anymore. Because Goody, Goody, I mean, if it was Murphy, he wouldn't say that, and Goody wouldn't say it because guess who signs his checks? Murphy does, um, and that's just the the nature of how this information gets out. Um, even after he retires, I don't know if it would. Uh, if that does happen, it wouldn't be for another you know year and a half or so. So um, it's certainly an interesting uh, point to bring up because, as we know, the power structure within the organization has kind of changed recently. So I'd be interested. I, I would also be interested to uh, hear kind of who was the driving force behind that contract. And I'm of the belief that. I don't want to say the Packers had to, but it's so easy in hindsight to say, oh, the Packers shouldn't have given him that big contract. He won back-to-back MVPs. It would maybe look even worse for the franchise if they just traded the back-to-back MVP and then he goes on and has another MVP season. There's obviously the variables of the broken thumb and the young receivers and Bakhtiari and Jenkins coming back from ACLs, but I'm of the belief that they were backed into a corner and had to extend Rodgers because he won back-to-back MVPs. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's go to uh, Christopher B. You've been waiting a little bit. I appreciate you. What do you got? You got me? Yep, I can hear you. All right, cool. Yeah, question about, um, again, Jordan Love. So I know he's, what, on his fourth year, and they need to decide, I believe, on his fifth-year option. So yep. I'm curious, like, what are the odds that, this could be a, a even bigger, I guess, turnover as far as like roster wise, because they need to figure out, do they give them extension or when do you think they might even say, Hey, we need to also draft another quarterback in case love doesn't work out. Right. I think with Rogers, uh, presumably leaving for the jets, they exercise his fifth year option, uh, which, which they have to do in about a month and a half. I believe it's the first or second week of May that they have to do it. And that would lock in his 2024 salary at around $20 million. Um, I think if you, I, you don't give him an extension now because you don't know if he's any good as a, as a full-time starter. But he's still on the quote-unquote minuscule salary this year. Um, because obviously the fifth-year option doesn't kick in until next year. So I think you guarantee his fifth-year option this May, see what he has this year, and then if he's if you're still unsure after this year if he's the long-term answer at quarterback, you give him a set. Because, listen, I, I understand that fans and, and everyone is not going to have great patience with Jordan Love, maybe because of the two guys who have come before him. And I understand that, but this could take more than a year to figure out if he's the long-term answer. How many quarterbacks have we seen that have turned out to be great, struggle their rookie seasons? Um, So I think regardless, you exercise the option, don't extend him yet. And then if he is the answer and shows great things in the 2023 season, then you extend him after this season wipe out the fifth-year option, lower his cap hit for 2024, uh, and and then you know add a couple years to the extension. Kind of like, I believe that's what they did with Jair Alexander to lower his cap number for 
last season, I believe it was, because last season was his fifth year. Yeah, last season was was his fifth year. They gave him the extension before last season, so that wiped out his fifth-year option, lowered his cap number. They can do the same thing with Jordan Love. Now, if he plays the 2023 season and they still don't know if he's the answer, I don't think you extend him, but you let him play on the fifth year, say, you know what, we're paying him $20 million. We kind of had to. Uh, if he's great in his fifth year, then we'll extend him. If he's not, then we'll let him walk. But I think bottom line is you have to exercise that that fifth year option because if you don't and you just let him play out the last year of his contract, if he doesn't play well and you don't think he's the answer, sure, let him walk in free agency. But if he does play well and he is the answer, then Jordan Love is, and his agent have the right to not sign an extension with the Packers after this season and test the open market to maximize his value. And what if he sees a better fit? What if he uh, gets more money from another team? What if he says, you know what? The Packers have screwed me over. They didn't exercise my option. I'm going somewhere else. So to protect yourself long-term, I think you have to exercise that fifth-year option and then reevaluate for an extension after the season based on how he plays, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Also, thank you for that. Cool. Yeah, no problem. Tyler C. You're up. You got me? Yeah, I got you, Matt. What's up? Not much. Uh, I was just wondering your thoughts on the possibility of uh, Corey Davis being in the trade. I know Jet, the Jets are uh, kind of tight up against the cap, so they're going to need some money to sign their draft class. And, yeah. you know, someone that's been in Matt, LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's offense, so obviously there'd be some interest there. Obviously, Green Bay would have to rework his deal because they're not going to want him for a $10 million cap right. bet, so... I don't know. Do you think if if he is in the deal, what like what amount of trade value would he have? Because obviously, he's he's either going to get traded or he's going to get cut probably. So, yeah, I, I would not imagine Corey Davis on the the Jets in in any capacity. I know Matt Lafleur is a fan of his. Uh, obviously, as you said, they were together in 2018. Um, hold on, I'm just gonna mute you to avoid some of the background noise, but um, Corey Davis caught 65 passes for almost 900 yards and four touchdowns in his second year in the league as a 23-year-old with LaFleur as his offensive coordinator, so he definitely likes him, uh, and for good reason, but I'm wondering if they get him in the trade as just like a throw-in because they don't want to compete with people on the open market, or they say, you know what? We'll try and sign him for as as you know cheap as possible on on the open market. Uh, listen, he's not going to be on the Jets either way because, as you said, I think it's about uh, ten million that they'd free up in the cap. Plus, they uh, might be getting Odell. They have Alan Lazard now. They just signed Hardman from the for, who was with the Chiefs. So, uh, I I know the Packers weren't hell bent on getting Elijah Moore. So I don't think. Um, seeing Elijah Moore go to the Browns should be like, oh, we should have done that. We missed out on him. The Packers were not hell-bent on getting him from from uh, what I gathered. But Corey Davis is interesting. I'm not saying he's an Alan Lazard in terms of the blocking aspect, but he has kind of this a similar stature and brings something different than Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I still think the Packers need like a, a true slot guy, which is why I, I thought 
Elijah Moore could be a fit before I kind of realized they weren't that into him. Randall Cobb obviously isn't going to be back, um, I'd assume. So uh, I'm wondering if they need that veteran presence, which I think they do, uh, that's probably why Corey Davis would be a better fit than saying Elijah Moore since he's been in the league for a while. And the Packers have always had kind of that, that elder statesman veteran in the room to guide people. And now that they don't have the, the two who kind of led that room last year in Lazard and Cobb, um, and the only other additions I see them making to that room are through the draft, that's more so why I think Corey Davis could be a fit. Not only that, but he's, he's familiar a little bit with, uh, with LaFleur and could kind of bring that red zone threat uh, inside the 20-yard line that, well, I'm not saying Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs don't bring that, but they're more stretch the field guys. Uh, and, and Corey Davis could bring something different that that they lost in Lazard. So, yeah, I could see him being a throw-in piece to the trade. I don't think it's something where, like, the Jets say, oh, we're giving you Corey Davis. Now you have to give us something more in return because the Jets are going to cut him anyway, and Brian Gutekunst knows that. So I think if he is involved in a trade, it would be more of a, okay, we want him in the trade just so we don't have to, you know, compete with anyone else to sign him once the Jets cut him, if that makes sense. All right, let's go to Logan A. All right, so I'm just wondering, with 12 gone now, yeah, do you think that Lafleur is going to be able to flourish a little bit more in goal line situations, in some of those high leverage situations where Rodgers might have had a little bit too much influence over the offense? I don't know if he'll be able to to flourish more per se because don't get it twisted. There were probably a lot of times where. Aaron Rodgers masks some of Matt LaFleur's struggles. Um, We're never going to get the full answer to who had the majority of the say over the offense, because that would require hooking both those guys up to lie detectors, uh, going through every play, looking at what the call from LaFleur was, what Rodgers changed at the line. So I always get the question, who has more say in the offense, Rodgers or LaFleur? We don't know for sure. But I am excited to see, because Jordan Love will not have as much freedom at the line of scrimmage as Aaron Rodgers did, rightfully so. Uh, so I think we'll see, I don't want to say what Matt LaFleur's offense actually looks like, because we saw that it was just with a, a, a really good proven quarterback who had a lot more freedom. But um I think we could see some more success. They were really bad down near the goal line last year. Now, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the problem and and he was restricting LaFleur because guess what? The past however many years before that, they were really damn good down in the red zone, the gold zone, when Hackett was there. And they still had the same head coach, same offensive play caller, same quarterback. So uh, I'm hesitant to say last year was a Rogers problem. Um, I think it was a lot of things, but I think the, the overarching belief I have on, on what we're going to see from LaFleur is we're going to get to find out what he really is as a head coach. And I'm not saying he's on the hot seat yet, but um, the head coach has shorter job or, or lesser job security than the general manager. And LaFleur kind of got a pass for whatever struggles he had as a coach because people might have said, okay, well, Rodgers probably has more influence. Well, guess what now? It's LaFleur's offense now. Yeah, Jordan Love is the quarterback, but 
Matt LaFleur is running the show as opposed to maybe it was half and half, let's say, the past couple of years. So, no, he's not on the hot seat yet, but all eyes on Matt LaFleur, whereas he probably got less blame just because of who his quarterback was. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know um, if it'll allow him to flourish more down near the goal line. I think just, you know, it's, it's maybe a cop-out answer, but they didn't have the best red zone threat on planet earth last year with Devonte Adams. I, I think that was plain and simple. The reason why they weren't good there last year. Yeah, that's fair. And it'll be exciting to see how it all plays out. Thanks, Matt. No doubt. Appreciate it. David. O. I don't know why it's taking a little bit for people to, for people to, Oh, there you go. Oh, there all, you right. go. all right. Hey Matt, thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. After the uh, Packers, they're in good sign to Rogers to that contract last year do you think there was an expectation that he would do more in the offseason and that part of the reason there's been such a change is that they are kind of disappointed in his uh follow-up after that in terms of uh being a team leader that's a that's a a good point good point oh i don't know why i'm hearing myself echo i think i'm good now okay um I've said this on on my podcast before. Aaron Rodgers basically had this organization uh, by the neck, for lack of a better term, the last couple of years. He could do whatever he wanted uh, in terms of the offseason. LaFleur has said publicly, yes, we would like all our players here. But even if it hurt the team in any way, which, listen, I'm not a big proponent of he has to be here for everything. Certainly last year, it probably would have helped uh, with Watson and Dobbs coming in as rookies. But listen, I don't think the reason that the offense struggled was because he wasn't there for every voluntary OTA last year. But I will say, I would not be shocked if it rubbed people in the organization the wrong way that he wasn't a hundred percent committed during the off season. I know, uh, he obviously came back last offseason, didn't practice. I believe one day he was sitting courtside for a Bucks bulls playoff game and stopped by Lambeau, but didn't practice. So uh, as we get got into this offseason, I think I saw a report out there. I don't know if it's true that the Packers basically said, we want you back if you can be 100% committed this offseason and come to anything. And I don't know if he was able to commit to that. I don't know if he's going to do it with the Jets because it's a new team. Um, Jordan Love certainly will. I know there was already news out there that Jordan Love will be throwing in, uh, with Aaron Jones and Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson this offseason. Uh, and people were kind of having fun with that and saying, oh, I didn't know that was allowed because Rodgers maybe didn't do that last offseason or in recent years. But yeah, I, I would not be surprised if it rubs some people the wrong way. Listen, I don't want to say that Aaron Rodgers isn't committed. He has earned the right to do what he wants with his offseason. He's accomplished enough. It's You can say what you want about the hand signals and learning everything. There's plenty of time to to do that. And I don't know if a couple voluntary offseason activities early or in the middle of the spring would would have changed anything. There's plenty of time to do that during training camp, which he he was obviously here for last season. but from a coach's perspective and a GM's perspective, 
I bet it rubbed them the wrong way a little bit that he wasn't there and maybe didn't commit to it this year too. I don't know if he did or not, but um, if we're looking at reality, I don't know how much it mattered actually, just from a, not a PR standpoint, but from an optics standpoint, uh, the coach and the GM probably wanted more of a buy-in, which they will definitely get from Jordan Love because he has not earned the right to skip voluntary off-season activities. All right, let's go to Bailey L. L. Hi, are you able to hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Perfect. And Thank you so much for doing this, Matt. Um, so I have a question about the upcoming season with the change under center with the cap space, the way it is, obviously the goal for every team is to win it all. But what do you think a successful Packer season looks like with kind of the realistic expectations that this is the lowest chances we've had in a while for a Super Bowl? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think the expectation is Super Bowl anymore, as it has been for pretty much the past decade with Aaron Rodgers, um, and that'll be tough to stomach, and understandably so. I think a successful season is making the playoffs. Uh, no matter who's your quarterback, you're the Green Bay Packers. You should not expect anything less of the playoffs, and it's cliche to say, but there's no such thing as a, a, a rebuild around here. Um, and, the, and it's not like this is some some bum-ass team that just happens to have a, a 24-year-old quarterback and they're working through the through some things and they'll get them next year. Like, they have guys on defense. They were really bad last year and they were underwhelming, but they have some incredible individual talent on defense. They have arguably the best running back tandem in the NFL. They have uh, two promising young wide receivers who in a couple of years could be one of the best one, two punches in the league. And I've already proved they can compete right away. They have an offensive line that ranked top 10 in pass blocking and run blocking last year. And they're healthy now. Yeah. They don't have a tight end, but they'll figure that out. They have an improved special teams unit. This, this is not like a, a team that you can say, okay, maybe they'll go six and 11. This is a team that, even as constructed, should make the playoffs. They shouldn't win a Super Bowl. You know, maybe they do. I don't think they will. But I still think, especially with seven playoff teams, this is a team that should and can make the playoffs. Uh, and that should be fans' expectations. And I certainly do believe that if they make the playoffs with Jordan Love as their quarterback, it will be considered not a resounding success uh, that they would have to probably win a playoff game for that, but it would certainly be considered a successful season in my eyes if they make the playoffs this year, which I think they, they definitely can. All right, Michael C. Let's see. Third time's a charm. There you go. Hey, Matt. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, thanks for doing this. Um, yeah. My, I don't know if you addressed this yet, but curious, curious if you're, you, you foresee any scenario where, the Rodgers and Jets thing drags on past the draft. Um, you got guys like uh, Rich Eisen and Florio talking about, you know, the Jets could, the longer this drags out, 
the more, you know, and everyone talked about leverage the last week, you know, how much, um, you know, the, the Jets kind of, um, or, or just the higher the probability that the deal falls through, the longer this drags out. Um, you know, I think everyone expects it to get done at some point, but, you know, how, how like, how much of a failure would it be if, if a deal isn't done before the draft and then you're looking at picks for potentially 24 and 25? Yeah, I don't think that would be ideal. Um, I I have said all along, I think this gets done before the draft. Um, th- there's a scenario in which it doesn't, but I think there are many more ways beyond just, oh, the number 13 pick for Aaron Rodgers for this deal to get done so that the Packers can get 2023 draft capital. I said the other day on Twitter... Um, everyone's been talking about who has leverage in this, in this trade. The Jets have the leverage up until the draft, in my opinion. Um, and then after the draft, the Packers have the leverage. And it's pretty simple why. The Packers need the 2023 draft capital to help build around Jordan Love right away. So they're incentivized to get a deal done before the draft. After the draft, they obviously wouldn't be getting 2023 draft capital. And the Packers are actually incentivized to wait or maybe not incentivized, but they don't have as much of a reason to get the deal done as the Jets do. Because after the draft, uh, the that $40 million dead money hit, if the trade is consummated after June 1st, around $16 million of that would be on the 2023 books, and $24 million of that would be on the 2024 books. Uh, and then the Packers, or whichever team Aaron Rodgers plays for, wouldn't have to pay him that $58.3 million option bonus until I believe early September. So those are the two deadlines after the draft. Now the Jets are obviously incentivized more to get something done because they need their quarterback in the building. The question I ask when determining who has the leverage after the draft is which team currently employs the quarterback that they want to be their week one starter. The answer is the Packers. They already have Jordan Love. The Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers. So listen, for all those scenarios, I think we're we're just – we have time to float around these scenarios because the trade hasn't happened yet. It's going to get done before the draft. Like I said, with the Jets now having two first-round picks, or two second-round picks, I should say, there's ways to, to get this done beyond just the straight-up 13 for Aaron Rodgers. It could be the Packers eat some of that $58.3 million. It could be, like we talked about earlier, the two second rounders, instead of number 13, it could be number 13 because now the Jets have two second rounders. So I, I always thought this was going to get done before the draft and that Elijah Moore trade yesterday made me think that even more because it just added another option uh, to help this get done, whether it was something done to make the Jets feel more comfortable giving up 13 or the Packers feel more comfortable uh letting the Jets keep 13 so that they get those two second rounders. So I don't think this will drag out much longer. Uh, Goody and and Joe Douglas will see each other in Phoenix this weekend. I will try and spot them together and get you guys the scoop on what they're talking about. But everyone wants to get this deal done. This isn't something where like the Packers are trying to screw anyone over. The Jets are trying to screw everyone over. Both teams need to get this deal done. And it's just some good old-fashioned negotiations going on right now, which is fine, I think. And it just seems uh, that stress is rising because as each day passes, it's all we have to talk about with this team. 
Um, but it'll get done. I, I firmly believe that. All right, Joshua, I see you there. I apologize for skipping over you last time. If you can unmute yourself, let me hear it. All right. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. I'm just right. wondering, I don't know if this is the spot for it or not, but on a personal level, like compared to like you've been here a few seasons on a personal level, how does this upcoming season and being able to cover it, cover this like historic transition in the franchise, yeah. how does that rank in terms of the previous years that you've covered the team? I think it's just as fascinating because listen, I've been on record saying I've really enjoyed covering Aaron Rodgers here. He, uh, for a superstar athlete, he's extremely accessible, uh, extremely, you know, forthcoming and in-depth and uh, puts in a lot of effort with his answers. Yes, I have disagreed with him on things publicly. And I don't know if we've ever had a private disagreement, but um, Aaron Rodgers is great to cover. Because as a reporter, you want to cover a team that's relevant. You, with all due respect to the you know, the Arizona Cardinals or, I don't know, the Tennessee Titans, like you want to write for a, a passionate, rabid fan base. And that's what the Packers fan base is. So even if we had, you know, Joe Schmo to cover, that would be fine because people read my stuff and I love doing things like this, interacting. I bet you there aren't 132 people listening to a Jacksonville Jaguars live room on the athletic. We don't even have a Jaguars beat writer, so I don't think we have one of those. But my point is, it's always going to be great covering this team. But this year, especially, the like you said, the transition to Jordan Love, it, it's so fascinating because there's the aspect of replacing Aaron Rodgers. There's the aspect of could he be the the third in line? Like, yeah, the likelihood is is that he's not a future Hall of Famer. That's just the, the probabilities, just playing the, playing the probabilities. He's not going to be the next in line uh, from Favre to Rodgers to Hall of Famer Jordan Love. But what's so fascinating is, like, if they've done it with two guys here, could they do it with three? And you just know, like, I remember sitting in that press box in Philadelphia and Jordan Love threw that slant to Christian Watson and I sat there and yeah, this was probably an exaggeration, but I was like, holy shit, this is the future. The Packers can't ever get it wrong. They're, this is their next Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Now, then I calmed down a little bit. I was like, all right, the Eagles are playing soft and it's a 14 point game and a kind of meaningless game. And it's just one play, but that's all you need to get people excited and to get things relevant is a glimmer of hope. And the first game that Jordan Love leads a fourth quarter comeback, people love that. And, and I think the the fair part of this is like none, it, nobody doesn't like Jordan Love. Even people who want Aaron Rodgers here, like in the fan base, I think everyone wants Jordan Love to succeed. Obviously, not just for the Packers, but going back to the draft in 2020, one of the first things Aaron Rodgers said to us was, "Jordan didn't ask for this." He didn't have to be thrown into this situation. So I think by all accounts, people are rooting for Jordan to succeed. And I would argue, maybe outside of if Lamar Jackson changes teams, and obviously Rodgers with the Jets, how Jordan Love carries the torch is one of the top five storylines in the NFL this year, just because of what this franchise has had at quarterback. 
And as a reporter, you just want the the relevant stories, the juicy storylines. You, you don't want to cover a team that's eight and eight, eight and nine. I know the Packers were last year, but you want to cover a team that's an absolute disaster or a resounding success. But with the Packers, you can even be in the middle because the story this year is how Jordan Love takes the torch. And that's a, a fascinating story. So I think uh, it's a different story to cover because we just expected greatness. And the story the past couple of years was, can they win the Super Bowl? But this year, it's, I think, equally as fascinating, if not more, just because there's some unknown that goes along with it. All right, Arlie, let's try you again. And please let me know if I'm mispronouncing your name. I'll wait a couple seconds since it's taken a, a couple seconds for some people to get up there. All right, you got me? Can you hear me? Yes. You got it perfect, Arlie. Nice work. Oh, nice. Um, so I guess my question is more, if, if we don't get it done by the draft, I know you said the Packers kind of have leverage. Do you think the um, adding the extra year date for love, if they do that in May, removes a little bit of the leverage? Because at that point, you really can't have both quarterbacks two years from now. And if they keep them this fall, they kind of have to have them for at least two or three years with Rodgers. Right. I, I think, as I said, all, all the discussions about Rodgers being on the roster into the summer, I think it's a moot point. It's just a hypothetical we have to toss around. You know, people have said, oh, what if Rodgers is still on the roster come minicamp and he shows up and walks into the locker room and starts practicing. That's not going to happen. Um, what's going to happen is they exercise the fifth-year option. Jordan Love is the only starting caliber quarterback on this roster by uh, the start of off-season activities, or at least mandatory minicamp later this spring or summer, whenever, whenever it starts, and Rodgers will be on the Jets. I, I think everything else is just uh, a hypothetical just to laugh at. but. Um, Let's say the Jets say, screw this. <laughs> and again, this is just me entertaining the very unlikely scenario of, let's say the Jets say, you know what? We're not, the, the, these negotiations are going nowhere. We're going after Lamar Jackson. And then Rodgers is left on the Packers, comes back and shows up. Then I don't know what happens. I don't have an answer for you. That, that would be one hell of a twist. Again, it's not going to happen. But what if, like, the Jets say we're going for Lamar Jackson? Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to retire. He says, you know what? I like my teammates. Screw the front office. I'm going to come back and make it as uncomfortable as possible for them. Because, like I said earlier, he has them by the neck. And if I show up, they kind of are forced to start me. And then what if, like, Aaron Rodgers just shows up to camp and, and he says, what are you going to do, make me retire? Or you have to pay me. I'm not retiring. And then the Packers kind of have to pay them. So that would be the most incredible theater probably the NFL has ever seen. But again, uh, I don't want to say we can dream of that because that would be an absolute headache to cover. That would be so chaotic that I wouldn't even know what to do. But it won't happen. It, there's going to be a trade done here in the next couple of weeks. And we're all going to uh, sit back and say, oh, it, it was nice uh, pontificating about what could have been. But I don't think it will. Just one quick follow-up. So yeah. on the flip side, don't you think it's likely that either or both uh, Douglas and Salah get fired if they don't get Rodgers? Because if they 100%. go 7 and 10, so yeah. there's got to be some of that pushing this as well, right? 
Oh, no doubt. I've talked about this with a couple buddies I have who cover the Jets. This is a make or break year, not only for them, but for Hackett too. Like to jump back in to a high profile OC job right after you failed as a head coach, whether it was because of Russell Wilson or Hackett himself, um, you got to get it right, right away. So Salah's job is on the line. Joe Douglas's job is on the line and Hackett's job is on the line among other coaches on that staff, probably. So they have to get it right this year. They're not going to go into the season with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. Um, and how could they justify it to their owner or their fan base by saying, you know what? We just didn't want to give up that much for Aaron Rodgers. They have to. They're going to. Uh, it's just a matter of them trying to get the Packers to blink before they blink. But that's why I said, in the grand scheme of things, who needs Aaron Rodgers more, the Packers or the Jets? The Jets do. Which is why I, I, don't, I, I don't want to sit here and say the Packers will come on top come out on top of these negotiations, but yes, they want to get it done before the draft. But ultimately I think the Packers have more leverage in the upper hand because if the Jets don't get Rodgers, it's not just uh, leaving them with a pretty bad quarterback and a bad season, but then no coaching staff probably after that. So yeah, you're definitely right about that. All right, Joan, let, let me see if I can get you in here. Give it a couple seconds. Appreciate everyone for their questions. This is uh, always good to do. I'm sure we'll do some more of these throughout the offseason. I'll give it about 10 more minutes. Let's see. Joan's not popping up. All right, we'll go to Scott S. Let's see if Scott can get in here. Scott, you on there? Thanks, man. Uh, kind of a weird question, but how much do you see Jordan Love kind of using his legs? Obviously, Rodgers was not very mobile. I don't know, last five years or whatever, but um, like, could you see LeFleur calling more like read option style kind of plays now? Yes. In short, I don't know who tweeted this and hell, it might've been you since you asked it, but I was scrolling through Twitter. I think it was yesterday and there was a, a compilation of Jordan Love using his legs in preseason and regular season games. And I believe the tweet was, you know, wonder if we could see Matt LaFleur dial up some more of this stuff. And that would be fascinating. I think they could. You know, Jordan Love isn't obviously Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or something like that, but he can definitely move. And, and that is probably one of the things you get with him uh, that you could look forward to in this offense that you wouldn't get with Aaron Rodgers is that threat of, of using his legs. And it's obviously not easy as a quarterback to read the – uh, option right all the time but uh, I'm definitely intrigued to see if that's an added part to this offense and I think it could be and I think it should be because why not take advantage of an element of his game that you haven't really been able to use the last couple of years so yeah I, I, I like that point a lot and then kind of to follow that up could you see Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs production be similar I mean obviously Watson's more uh, I guess of the, the popular choice to be the one number one receiver. But um, I remember there was a preseason game where Jordan Love and, and Romeo Dobbs were looking like they had some rapport, I guess you could say. But um, would you be shocked if, I guess, Romeo Dobbs and Watson had a similar season, I guess? No, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I think Watson is, 
is probably a, a step above Dobbs in terms of what they did last year and going into this year. But um, listen, it was Dobbs during training camp while Watson was hurt. who was like, man, this guy looks looks kind of like a number one. So I don't think, even though I kind of just did, uh, we should put, oh, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I think it's just a, a pretty solid top two in whatever uh, order you want to put them. Now, that would require both of them to be healthy, which they obviously weren't uh, for stretches of last season. But, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going into this season saying, okay, Watson's going to have 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, and Dobbs is going to have 600 yards and four touchdowns. Like, they've both showed capabilities of being the guy. Watson probably more so than Dobbs. Because um, after Dobbs got back from his – I believe it was the ankle injury he had on the first play against Detroit in week nine. Um, he wasn't quite the same. So with, with both of these guys, it's really just about getting healthy and staying healthy. Then I think both of them showed an ability to be that guy. So yeah, I, I could see Dobbs putting up better numbers than Watson. I could see Watson putting up better numbers than Dobbs. I could see both of them putting up uh, similar numbers. Regardless, I'm not putting them up there yet, but like I said, I think in the next two years, you could see them be one of the top two, if not the top, my voice cracked there a little bit, uh, one of the top wide receiver duos in the league. If what we saw last year kind of continues to play out and they stay healthy. Gotcha. And then one really quick one, obviously we might draft a tight end, but uh, does Josiah Dugara, as of now, would you say he's like, our starting tight end or is he um, kind of more of wait and see kind of who we draft sort of thing? Well, as of now he is because he's the only one on the damn roster, but yeah, yeah I, I think you got to draft one that I thought a couple of days ago, maybe they go after Dalton Schultz. He's kind of the only legitimate pass catching threat left on the market. And then he signed with the Texans. Uh, the first position Brian Gutekunst brought up when discussing this year's draft class when he sat down with us at the Combine was the strength of the tight end position. They're going to take one. They might take two. Uh, there are a couple of really intriguing names early. And I think once Tunyon signed with the Bears, it locked in that they're going to take at least one. And if they lose Mercedes Lewis to the Jets or someone else, I don't think he'll be back. I always thought he was kind of a – if Rodgers left, he would be gone too – you need someone who can block too. Now, Deguara has done some nice things. Last year, he kind of came more into that role of the hybrid that Lafleur envisioned for him at the start. Then he obviously tore his ACL. Um, but he's not really that downfield receiving threat. It's kind of used for a little bit of everything out of the backfield. But in today's league, if you want to be a damn good offense, I'm not saying they have to get a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews or a George Kittle, or even a Darren Waller. But there's a reason they've tried to get Darren Waller, because they need someone like that. They need a guy who can catch passes like that. So a guy like uh, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, who's by all accounts the best pass-catching tight end in the draft. I know Darnell Washington, the big fella from Georgia, was here on a visit in Green Bay. Uh, Laporta, the kid from Iowa. Musgrave from Oregon State. Like There are a handful of guys that, are going to go in the first two rounds. And I would be surprised if the Packers don't end up with at least one of them, but yes, uh, draft definitely. Cause I don't think Josiah DeGuara, if you really expect to have 
a dominant offense and surround Jordan Love with as much talent as possible, you need a dominant pass-catching tight end or someone that can eventually become that. And I just don't think DeGuara can. So I think draft is, is the way to go for a tight end. Gotcha. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yep. All right. In just the last couple minutes, we'll go through a couple of the typed questions that you have here. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba or bust in first round for Jack S. Uh, just don't see him making it to 15 anymore. Yeah, I would be surprised if he made it that far. I, I, I honestly think uh, there's probably a better chance the Packers draft a wide receiver or a tight end in the first round this year. Because not to spite Aaron Rodgers, but just because that's you, 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 you all know that's how it's going to work. They don't draft an offensive skill player except Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers' whole career here, and then they're going to the, the year he leaves. Maybe that's because they didn't feel they needed to surround him with as much because he was capable of lifting up anybody he had. Maybe this year they feel we need to surround Jordan Love with as much. But I also think they do need a wide receiver. Like right now, Samori Toure is your number three. And yeah, he showed some decent things last year. And when Goody was asked after the season about Watson and Dobbs, he said, don't forget Samori, but man, I don't know if you want to go into, go into the season with Samori Ture as your number three having a play. So I said earlier, I think you need a, a really good slot guy um, to replace Cobb. And Jackson Smith and Jigba is an intriguing, intriguing name. Not only if the, I don't want to say the pack, if the Packers trade up for a wide receiver, this Twitter will explode. But if he gets to 15, you got to think long and hard about taking that kid because he's a special talent. And Goody obviously had a front row seat to uh, his pro day yesterday at Ohio State. Um, all right, let's see what else we got. Yeah, does do does twelve from Andrew S. Does Rogers or the Jets want Bakhtiari in the trade? Is that why it's taking so long? Uh, no, I I they will not trade Bakhtiari. Um, a, I think Rogers knows that they wouldn't, so he wouldn't even ask for that. But you would have to be a general manager who's almost trying to get fired if you trade. Listen, David Bakhtiari's gone through his fair share of injuries, obviously. He was arguably the best left tackle in football last year when healthy. I believe there were only two offensive tackles in football who played at least 300 pass blocking snaps and did not allow a sack or quarterback hit last year. David Bakhtiari and Lane Johnson. One of those is a right tackle. So you can make the case a healthy David Bakhtiari is still the best left tackle in football, which is incredible after everything he's been through. So you would be asinine to trade that man away uh, just to unload some salary because left tackles, and Goody said this before, franchise left tackles do not grow on trees. David Bakhtiari is still a franchise left tackle. And there's just as much reason to keep him, to keep your new quarterback healthy. I was talking about earlier, I think it was the first question, how uh, – Surrounding Jordan Love starts with the offensive line. And that starts with your best offensive lineman, who is David Bakhtiari, even at his age and health right now. So uh, he told us at the end of the season on Locker Cleanout Day, he thinks all the health stuff is behind him. He's ready to go. Yeah, it's going to hurt him probably, not not playing with Rodgers. But 
keeping a 24-year-old quarterback upright and setting him up for a long career in year one is is just as important. So they would be foolish to trade David Bakhtiari uh, for those reasons I just mentioned, which is why it will not happen. From Noah K. Oh, you're funny. I'm officially back in that Aaron is the Packer this year. He said his plan is to play for the Jets, not that he wanted to play for the Jets. He was planning for the worst. He did say, I want to play in New York. I, 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 I like what you're doing here, but he did say he plans to play for the Jets, but he did say he wants to play in New York. Um, now, granted, the Jets are not in New York. They're in New Jersey. So maybe he wants to play for the Bills. Maybe he wants to play for the New York Guardians, although I think they play at MetLife Stadium as well. So I get what you're saying. Um, nothing is done until it's done. This trade's not done, but he will be a Jet. It's just a matter of when and, and what the compensation is. Let's see what else we got. One more question from EB. Yeah, this is the last thing I'll touch on. Uh, from what I said earlier, probably what Goody meant by we need to have those conversations, he said at the Combine. Yeah, those, those direct conversations. And I think, listen, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is intentionally lying on McAfee when he says, uh, you know, the front office never had those direct conversations with me. I wish they did. I was kind of surprised to see when I came out of the darkness that they were shopping me from, uh, from what I heard from friends around the league. I think my best educated guess would be that there was some lapse in communication because I have a hard, hard time after everything this organization went through two years ago when Rogers refused to show up for mandatory offseason work and then came on the first day of training camp and basically aired his grievances and said, I don't like the way the front office has been dealing with players. And then on McAfee, he gets on there and, uh, last week and says, it's kind of ironic now that I'm one of those players. Brian Gutekunst has made his mistakes as general manager, but he's not an idiot. He's not like dumb, literally. Like, sure, some of the moves he's made, you could say, oh, that's dumb. But like, literally, when we get down to it, would Brian Gutekunst really, after everything he went through with Rodgers and all the work he's done to mend that relationship and show him that his voice matters and show him that he will treat outgoing veterans who have been here a while better like Rodgers wanted, would Goody really go a whole offseason without reaching out to Rodgers to talk about potentially moving on from him and then go behind his back to do that? No, he wouldn't. So my guess is that there was some sort of lapse in communication. And like I said, this is just a guess, but Lazard saying, you know, it's hard to get in touch with Aaron in the offseason. My guess is Goody probably tried to reach out, didn't say directly what the conversation was going to be about. And Aaron was probably doing something else and uh, they never got around to talking about it. So the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, which is kind of what it, what it always is with, with this guy. Um, but hey, listen, everyone, I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I, I enjoy doing these. It, it always amazes me how many people give a damn about what I have to say. Uh, always thankful to, to write and talk for this fan base. And we're definitely going to do another one of these uh, probably before the draft. Let's, let's do before the draft. Hopefully the trade is done by then so we can talk about that. Um, but really appreciate everyone tuning in. And uh, take care. We'll talk to you next time.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.